You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Joey's upcoming season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 374. Your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Thursday show for you. We're going to interview Kristen Baldwin, EW.com. She's a multi-time guest on this show. we got a lot to talk about. She went to the Golden Wedding. We're going to talk about the Emmys, the Golden Globes, all the good stuff, you know. Plus, the last 20 minutes are about a show that is fascinating me, yet I've never seen one minute of it. So if you're interested, once we start talking about it, if you have seen the show, I'd love to get your thoughts on it as well. But I was suckered in by a headline about it, and I still haven't watched it. I don't even know if I will, because I know the ending now, but you'll hear us talk about it. Let me know what you think if you've also seen the show. We'll get to all that momentarily. So any of you that only tune in to my Thursday podcast and you don't even listen to the Daily Roundup or the Sports Daily, just wanted to mention the Reality Steve Merchandise Store is now open. I opened it last Saturday, five days ago, and it's got three different logos that you can get on any article of clothing or any accessory. The article of clothing have nine different colors for the hoodies, eight different colors for the sweatshirts, I believe eight different colors for... um, the cotton tees, sorry, totally blanking. Uh, only five colors on the V-neck t-shirts, and then I think believe seven colors for the soft style t-shirts. But plenty of sizes, at least seven sizes on pretty much every article of clothing. The three logos are "I love being spoiled," and then "By Reality Steve." Spoiled by Reality Steve, or "See Ya" with Reality Steve underneath it. So those are the three logos. You can get it done on any article of clothing or any accessory. I've got wine tumblers. I've got tumblers. I've got coffee mugs. I've got accent mugs. I've got water bottles. So anything you want to get, it's on the store. By all means, go check it out. It's on my Instagram bio. It's also in my Instagram highlights. It's the top part of my Twitter. It's my top. Uh, it's my tweet that's at the top of my Twitter feed. That'll be there for a while. So just click on the link. Go to the store. Purchase whatever you want. I'd uh, really appreciate it. You get yourself some Reality Steve swag. We haven't, I've never had it. I mean, well, I shouldn't say I never had it. A- unless you're like a really, really long time listener. I think I did it back in 2010 or 11. So we're, I mean, over a decade ago. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't do a made to order. Well, I did, but it was just, it was different back then. This site is great. Um, the best part right now going is the turnaround time. People that ordered on Saturday when the store opened are getting their stuff either tomorrow or on Saturday within that day. Some of them might have received it already, but I can look at the orders and they all say that they, everything that was ordered on Saturday has already shipped out. So I guess it all depends on how close you are to a distribution center, but yeah, uh, the turnaround time is basically no more than seven or eight days from when you order. So this isn't something you're going to have to wait a month for. You get it right away. I think that's really cool. This uh, this printer that I've used has, has been really good, and the turnaround time, like I said, very quick. So check that out if you're interested. The Reality Steve merch store, 
the link to it is on my Twitter. It's on my social media pages in my Instagram bio and in my Instagram highlights if you want to check it out. So uh, I, I don't know. Some people just only listen to the Thursday show. They don't listen to the daily. So figured I would mention it here. So coming up with Kristen Baldwin, we got a lot to talk about. The Daily Roundup today is a um, hodgepodge of things, <laughs> one of them being the fact that the Vanderpump Rules red carpet premiere was last night. Now, nobody gave away any plot details of what happens in the premiere, but the interesting thing was on the way to the event, Sheena Shea was in her car with her husband, Brock, and somebody, she was doing like a live Q&A, and somebody notified her, that Nick Vial decided to start a merch line that said payroll husband. So he's now selling merch that says payroll husband, which he or Charlie, her friend or not friend called Brock. And Sheena has said, look, Brock's not my payroll husband, but isn't it rich that Nick Vial is having somebody on promoting that when his own wife is on his payroll, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with Natalie being on Nick's payroll. She works with him. She co-hosts his podcast with him now just kind of organically just happened. All of a sudden, she was on his podcast every week. I'm guessing he pays her, which makes her, uh, which is funny that he's calling someone else a payroll husband when he's got his fiance on payroll. So I don't even understand why Nick is sticking. And now to think that maybe Nick wasn't even the one that said it, he's taking someone else's phrase and sticking it on hats and mugs and sweatshirts and hoodies. By the way, his sweatshirts are $10 more expensive than mine, and we have the same exact price on hoodies. Just want to throw that in there. He may have hats. I will eventually probably have a Reality Steve hat. We'll see how the sales go. But I just think it's, again, it's just Nick sticking his sticking his nose where it doesn't belong. You know? What's the point of this? Especially when it's not even his line that was original. He didn't come up with Payroll Husband. Charlie did. And someone informed Sheena during her ride to the Vanderpump Rules premiere last night, and she... I play the whole 90 seconds that she uh, someone sent to me from her live, and she's just looking at it like, oh, my God, I can't believe he did this. What an ick. She said Nick put the ick, or, yeah, or, Nick put the ick in Nick. That's what she said. That kind of doesn't make sense, but that's what she said. But, yeah, I, <laughs> again, it's just like, this is what Nick does. You know, what are you going to do? It just constantly it's seemingly a once every week there's something that he does that is just like if anybody else does it, it would get much more attention or they'd have to at least answer to it or own up to it or apologize for it. And Nick just sweeps everything under the rug and never addresses anything. It's frankly kind of embarrassing, to be honest with you. But that's him. Uh, I also talk about the challenge. Uh, Traders episode two is coming out today. We don't know what time. When they released them last Friday, they came out at 9 p.m. Eastern time. I hope... Now that they're doing one episode a week on Thursdays on the Peacock Network and the Peacock streaming app, I hope it's not 9 p.m. Eastern time. Can you release it at, I mean, I don't know. By the time you're listening to this, it might have already been released. Maybe they're doing 12.01 on Thursdays. But we do know they're giving us one new episode a week every Thursday on Peacock. So we'll be looking for that and definitely going to be talking about that every Friday because I'm definitely going to watch it on Thursdays. Every Friday, we're going to watch or we're going to recap uh, what happened on the episode of The Traders. So look for that in tomorrow's Daily Roundup. This podcast is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Right now, the best deal in wireless is a Mint Mobile $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Let me, re let me rephrase that. Or let me repeat that as I continue to just butcher this. For a limited time. 
wireless plans from Mint Mobile are going to be $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Ditched overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal. Get premium wireless service for just $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash realitysteve. That's mintmobile.com slash realitysteve. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash realitysteve. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 374. Okay, let's bring her in. Uh, she's a TV critic at EW.com. She's a multi-time guest on this podcast. It is Kristen Baldwin. Kristen, thanks for coming on. Oh, always a pleasure. A lot to talk about here. Uh, since we last spoke, you got to attend a golden wedding. I know that. I, I sure did. <laughs> so oh, my God. Life wa- is weird. I want to start with that. Is that something that um, they just said, okay, we're going we're gonna to invite X amount of media to this so you can give it coverage? Like, How did that come about? And explain your experience at golden bachelor i know you did a review of it on the next day but explain your whole experience at the golden wedding oh sure yeah so they uh abc uh decided that they were going to it was about six outlets uh you know new york times usa today deadline ew uh the knot (laughs) um and uh i think there was another i can't quite remember but um and they just said you know come out and we will, you know, you can cover it. They said the, the couple will not be available for your interviews, but, you know, we can make uh, some of the guests. And we knew, obviously, there would be Bachelor Nation guests available to talk to. And, uh, you know, you can kind of cover the event as, as, as it unfolds. And so, yeah, it was, you know, a quick trip to Palm Springs, but it was lovely. Um, we did not stay at the hotel uh, at the La Quinta hotel, we were, uh, about 10, 15 minutes away. Um, but they just, you know, we came, they, we got in the sprinter van at about four o'clock and, uh, you know, felt very housewives, um, uh, and went over to the wedding and we were really, you know, there before, obviously the camera started rolling, they're setting up, we were able to sort of walk around and look at the, look at the setup. And then as people started coming in and they started going live from the quote unquote gold carpet, um, you know, you could see us sometimes being, you know, mingling in the background and being, you know, told to look like we were having a good time, which, you know, we were, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was, it was, this is my second bachelor, uh, wedding that I've been to. I went to, uh, Sean and Catherine's like in 2014 in Santa Barbara and, you know, it really like. definitely is a weird experience because you feel like, you know, I don't know that I would want my wedding, all these strangers essentially to be at my wedding. Like, I mean, does Gary know Braden and Christina Mandrell? I don't think so, but like they allegedly got his permission or the couple's permission to, you know, do their proposal there. Um, It just felt, it feels a little weird that way. Um, but otherwise, you know, it was, it was quite a hoot. Um, and it was cold cause you know, it's the, the desert. Um, but yeah, as I posted, there were, you know, there were, uh, assigned seats and, uh, you know, I, I got to, uh, 
I was asked to take photos. Um, Trista and Molly uh, wanted wanted a self or wanted a photo in front of the arch. They're like, "Can you take our picture?" Because I was just standing right there. So it was definitely like a very surreal experience um, as a Bachelor fan to just be in the mix with it. But on the other hand, these people are also used to having everything, you know, on camera. That I guess it didn't feel that weird to them. I don't know. Yeah. Well, did you guys? I think when the uh, what I read when the reception started, that was what the media wasn't allowed to attend. Correct? Yeah, there was there was a televised portion of the reception which you saw. You know, that's when they walked in. That's when um, that terrible band, um, <laughs> the Dan Band, sent, <laughs> that was like we all could not believe. We were like, this is really a choice, and whoever made this choice might uh might need uh some stern words at their next performance review but um yeah so that it was about a half hour at the sort of televised uh reception which was sort of just off to the side from where uh the wedding was but there were no like tables there there was obviously no like the the actual off-camera reception was we didn't see where it was but it was in a different place in the in the a resort where I think you know the family could sit down and people could make toasts and all that stuff but that we we were uh escorted away about half an hour you know after the camera stopped rolling how about La Quinta Resort itself had you ever been to La Quinta Resort before I yeah I mean as a kid actually my parents Mm. uh used to bring us there I mean we it's large and sprawling and uh, looked very pretty. You know, we didn't, we only sort of saw this one area um, because it's not like we could really wander around um, during the event. What was, you know, crazy is that there were people either, I don't know if they were other resort guests or if somehow the public got in, but there were people like peeping over the wall at the reception, um, like climbing up, you know, to to spy on the reception uh, from outside. Uh, yes, very, <laughs> it was very, it was very, very familiar yeah. with those pictures that those people were taking. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I I thought so. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, it looked very nice and every you know it was a very pretty setup and um, yeah, it was it, you know definitely uh, you understand why you know. It, they the show you know has uh, relationships in that area with those hotels because they're you know really beautiful you know it's crazy because when i was thinking about it i was thinking back to the previous weddings that they've done and for a while there they were just pumping out weddings left and right it seemed like it had right every year and then i was like wait a second what was the last televised wedding this show did and i'm not counting Kenny and Mari on the beach, you know, that no, and no. And you know, definitely I'm not, if you don't count the Barrett and paradise weddings on the beach, I think it was Jade and Tanner. And that was like 2016. It's been, yeah. And that wasn't even, that wasn't even like a full wedding special. That was part of the like anniversary, 20th anniversary retrospective. Right. So like the last, so yeah, the last time they did like a full on wedding special, I think was Sean and Catherine in 2014. Um, and you know yeah they've had jane tanner was the only one that was like a little bit more official than those like sort of janky ones on the beach which i i agree i don't count those you know um especially since what was the one that wasn't even legal (laughs) 
Oh, uh, Lace, Lacey and Marcus. Yeah, season one of Paradise. So, I mean, yeah. I, but the last time they really did a full-on special was in 2014. And I do you remember with Tristan Ryan, obviously, there was like a, a reality show leading up to the special. I yeah, think was, there were like three or four episodes. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, the, the Jade and Tanner one was weird because – it was at a nice. I mean, it was at Monarch Beach in uh, mm-hmm. in Southern California, and it was an actual real wedding, like the like Sean and Catherine's or whatever, where they really went right. out. But it was only the last hour of a two hour show where we focused right. on the wedding, as the first part was, like you said, a retrospective. So right, yeah. yeah. But they did get their wedding. It just was like wow. Uh, you know, I was just like they used to pump these out all the time, and now we haven't seen one in seven years, and it was just yeah. I totally forgot and- about that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm trying to think whose wedding we would have really even wanted to see, <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah. I mean, maybe um, Jordan and JoJo, just because we all waited so long for that. But um, uh, yeah, this one made sense, you know, I think for them to do a full special. And, you know, what was interesting is I actually had to watch the show, you know, the next day because there was a lot we didn't see since we were at the wedding and there were all those pre-taped segments, um, uh, you know, and they were not playing those on monitors or anywhere, which I think is good because, you know, it would have been kind of tacky. But it was, yeah, it was very, um, you know, they initially were like, we're not sure if you're going to be able to talk to any of the golden bachelorettes who were there. And, and then honestly, at one point, before the ceremony had started, everybody was in the sort of like cocktail mixer out uh, area. And some of us just uh, reporters, we just started walking in there and just asking, you know, like, hey, Ellen, could I ask you a few questions? And they were all, you know, ha- perfectly happy to speak to us. So that, that you know, it was weird that ABC was a little like, I'm not sure. We don't know who, if they're going to want to talk. And they were all like thrilled to talk. So uh, that was very nice. Yeah. I mean, it was... It was a smashing success. Like I think you and I spoke yeah. before this ever aired, and I was just like, I don't know how this is going to go. We just we just yeah. don't know because this is the first time, not only that this franchise has done anything this different with an age range of this, I just don't remember anywhere on television where a TV show is dedicating a show to over sixty year olds where it's yeah. where it's dating like this and trying to find uh, a spouse. So we see the numbers; they're huge. Um, I've already been told that right after Bachelorette films, they're going into the next Golden Bachelor slash Golden Bachelorette season. Like Paradise, okay. is, Paradise is done, at least for this year of 2025 or 2024. Something tells me that maybe we'll have some sort of fun Summer Games show because of the Summer oh, Olympics next bring year. Bring back Bachelor Pad. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, I oh, mean, God, it would I make sense that. in a year of. Because they were supposed to do summer games in 2020 until COVID. Right. That was supposed yeah. to be a the summer thing that they were going to do that year. So maybe they bring that back. But all I do know is that, first off, any summer show that they do again is out of um, Sayulita because that um, resort has been sold to a Canadian company and they're done. So oh. if they ever bring back uh, Bachelor in Paradise, it's not going to be at the resort that we know uh, it's been filmed at um but i uh, yeah i've been told um so joey's season will air starting next monday go through march they'll start filming bachelorette right after joey's finale airs and that'll go till may but then i heard right after that the next season is going to be uh a whatever they decide in this franchise whether they're going to do a golden bachelor 2 
or Golden Bachelorette. It seems like Golden Bachelorette makes the most sense. Yeah. And, and Leslie would be your Golden Bachelorette. She makes the most sense because yeah, of her and, story, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I asked her point blank at the wedding, um, you know, I said, would you be interested in being the Golden Bachelorette? And she said, yep. <laughs> Just like wasn't even no equivocating. She's like, yep, yeah. I would. So I think I do think there's going to be um, uh, I think it's going to be harder for them to find men. You know what I mean? Like yeah. men that are old enough, but not too old. And that, you know, because women and allow me to make a gross generalization here. But I think women as they age generally uh, take better care of themselves, you know, and remain a little bit more youthful. Whereas, you know, they're not going to want a group of you know, barely 60 year old men, they're going to want some men in their seventies, I would think. Um, and I don't think that's going to be as easy to find, but who knows? You almost have to find 20 to 25 Gary's that's what yeah. you're looking for. And that, we, we found a 72 year old Gary that was in decent shape. You know, he wasn't, you know, it's not like he was a bodybuilder or anything, but yeah, that's what you have to find. Good and, yeah. And they could, you know, obviously they interviewed other people for that uh, role and it's possible they could, you know, go back to some of those guys that they considered as possibly Golden Bachelor. We'll just see. But I do think it's going to be a little more difficult. You know, what's interesting is um, more than one of the Golden Bachelorette ladies told me that they've gotten a lot of like dms from much younger men <laughs> so like they they could cast men in their like uh edith said she's gotten men in her 30s trying to uh in their 30s trying to hit her up so you know maybe they could <laughs> maybe maybe it could be like a cougar range of you know guys in their 30s who love older men or older women and then you know more age appropriate but who knows yeah, it'll be interesting to see which one they do. I, I definitely think they're probably going to do the Golden Bachelorette, but we yeah. won't, we won't know until they uh, officially announce it. So moving on, and this is something that I've been talking about on my podcast for the last few days because when I was growing up, award shows were almost appointment television, especially yeah. uh, the Emmys for me. Mm-hmm. And... Golden Globes, I, I wouldn't say were appointment for me. I wasn't, I didn't get the humor at Golden Globes at my age growing up. You know, it was, it's right, kind right. of a more adult show, and it's more the, the the monologue is definitely more of a roast than anything else. Um, right. But the Emmys were always a thing because the shows that I watched were all on network TV, and those were the shows that were up for awards, best comedy and stuff like that, and drama, and all that stuff. And I've been talking about it the last few days because I went back and looked at Wikipedia for the Emmys and Golden Globes, and I've noticed ever since COVID, these ratings are in the tank. Like People don't even watch these shows anymore. And I'm just curious about your opinion. I, I don't – I remember there was that one show, um, one year, uh, I think the Golden Globes just took the year off because of COVID and they couldn't get people there and whatever. And then just looking at some of the numbers, this used to draw 19 to 20 million easily uh, on mm-hmm. Sunday night. And now the Golden Globes dr- are drawing less than 10. And it's like, that's a huge deal. And I- I'm just curious, do you have any theories on this? Mine was, I, I can't believe it's COVID. We're kind of removed from that. No. And then yeah, the I- other thing was, maybe it's just because all these shows are on cable or streaming services that are up for awards and not network TV. But network TV isn't being watched anymore anyway. So I'm, I'm clueless on why nobody cares and the, and the ratings are so bad for these shows anymore and it's not appointment television. Do you have any theories on this? 
Yeah, and I think this is something that's been going on for many years for all award shows, including, you know, uh, the Oscars. Um, and, you know, I think there are a number of factors. One is simply, you know, broadcast TV, you know, is shrinking in general. And uh, so everything is losing ratings. Then you uh, add in the fact that, you know, the more shows uh, and movies that are made, because obviously there are so many more uh you know, streamers and networks and, and studios and everything, the, the less, you know, the audiences are smaller for each of those shows. And generally speaking, uh, unless you have a movie, I think one of the reasons the Golden Globes did well this year is because at least two of the movies were movies that people were really uh, had seen, you know, if Oppenheimer and Barbie, if you go back to last year, you know, the movies were like Meet the Fablemans or whatever. And those, you know, were not movies that people were that interested, you know, had that many people had seen and they don't want to tune in to see what wins awards. Um, and, you know, there's just more competition. The Emmys were on against like five football games or something, you know, yeah. and part of that, part of that was obviously due to, you know, the push on the strike. Um, but I think all audiences are uh, contracting and, uh, and there's a proliferation of award shows in general. Um, you know, there, there is a bit of a uh, diminishing returns when, uh, you know, just there's, a, there's so many more opportunities. We get to see stars on a red carpet dressed up and being interviewed that it doesn't feel as special anymore. So there are a lot of different factors. Um, I, I think it, sometimes does depend on the movie you know uh if you have a movie as big as titanic or something then for example the oscars that year are going to be huge you know because people want to see those stars and they're excited but the, those movie, movies are fewer and farther between etc so um it's a it's yeah. a, a lot of factors it's a lot of factors yeah there are just no big blockbusters anymore i mean the the movies that are up for especially for the oscars are all these I don't want to insult them at all, but they're like the artsy fartsy movies that are, that yeah. are shown in 700 theaters, not exactly 3,500 theaters. Exactly. And, you know, uh, I think also the Golden Globes maybe had, uh, you can also uh, attri attribute the Taylor Swift effect because she was there because her, you know, concert film was nominated. So it really, it, it, like a reality show where, you know, the, the success of any given season does p depend on the cast, <laughs> you know, uh, I think with award shows, that's part of it. The audiences are always going to be smaller uh, just because that's the way the TV business is going. But if the projects uh, are, you know, hugely popular in a mass way like Barbie or Oppenheimer, um, then you're going to have more uh, more of a chance of people wanting to tune in and see those casts. And look, for me, I'm someone who did. I'm a, I'm a TV guy, and I I just don't watch a lot of the shows that are on streaming. And I, I might be in the minority, uh, you know, Succession and Bear, which took home most of the awards at the Emmys, I haven't seen one episode of either. It's just not... <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched them, so I have no reason to tune in to see right. if it won. And you're not alone. I mean, yeah. the, you know, they they get a lot of press, but I don't think Succession, you know, if if it cracked three million viewers, I'd be surprised. You know, so I I think there's uh, you know, there is a disc or there's sort of a disproportionate amount of hype um, about a show shows like that that are excellent shows and deserve the attention, but you you know, on a grand scale, most people have not seen them. Yeah, because we're talking about, like I, I mentioned in the beginning, like, hey, when I was growing up, this was appointment television. That's because mm -hmm. 
that's because our favorite shows, uh, Cheers and Hill Street Blues. When yes, and Frasier and, you know, all these shows that, yeah. like, were truly mass hits. We're being, so. wa- we're being watched by 15 to 20 to 25 million people a week, friends yeah. and all that stuff. It's just you don't get that on network TV anymore or, yeah. or even the cable shows. So absolutely. Um, I wanted to go back real quickly uh, to Bachelor World. Uh, we have, yes. We have Bachelor starting on Monday with Joey. I I can't. I always forget how to pronounce Graziati? it. Graziati? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's Grazade or something like that. I, it's not Graziati. It's not pronounced how it's spelled. That that I do. Okay. Know. <laughs> uh, I'll have to ask him. I'm supposed to interview him on Thursday, so I'll oh, ask nice. him. So he's he's going to have his media tour towards the end of this week. The, uh, the yes. show premieres on Monday. And again, it just they always have the same schedule. I mean, they they haven't deviated mm-hmm. from the schedule in 10 years. I mean, the 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 bachelor the the bachelor or the bachelorette will end around August September-ish. And mm-hmm. then that's when they'll announce our bachelor and then he starts filming. And then they usually have, you know, the summer show that airs after that. But, you know, we haven't seen Joey live on our TVs basically since Charities after the final rose. So you're saying back in August or September, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we got to wait this long. And here we are. We're five days away or, you know, by the time this airs, basically four days away from everything coming to fruition and Joey's season finally starting. Um, Do you have an excitement level, if I had to say one to (laughs) ten? Uh, what your excitement level is for Joey as our bachelor? Where are you at? You know, I, I guess it would, I have a very complicated love hate relationship with this show as, as I'm sure you do as well. And I think I, I would probably put my excitement level for him above average, just because he's a little different. Um, uh, you know, he's not a Ken doll. He, he seems like a genuinely like, sweet person he's very handsome uh, i don't always think that the you know the the bachelors that are chosen aren't always my type um i would say you know slightly maybe i'm at a six or a 6.5 when normally you know it's really tough to get me above a five <laughs> so um you know of course i will watch every episode and be obsessed with it it's just it's more the like you know, the self-hatred that goes with uh, being obsessed with this show. So that's why I can't, um, you know, muster up higher enthusiasm. But um, yeah, so I I also, I feel like he's going to get eaten alive by these women. Um, He seems like a sweet guy, but also not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So I do worry that he's going to spend a lot of time, I could be wrong, you know, just kind of, dealing with or not knowing being flummoxed you know (laughs) but i could be wrong i think one thing it came up when he was announced as the bachelor was it just seemed like for the first time in a while look nobody's universally like there's going to be people that said oh they should have chosen whoever i already forgot you know aaron or whatever i yeah yeah but based off of their formula which is let's choose uh, a guy from the previous season Mm-hmm. And he was a guy that had his heart broken. That was a very gut wrenching kick to the nuts when Charity uh, dumped him at the end. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, um, it yeah. seems like he's gotten a lot of. They finally made the right choice on Bachelor because yeah. other times it seems like there was 
people that it was just like, oh, they chose Colton, but they should have chosen Jason or Blake. And then it's right. Exactly. It seems like at least for the audience, he is the closest to being the correct choice for them in quite a few seasons. I mean, let's look back at, you know, like Zach was just meh. Clayton was adult. Matt James, you know, I think was in, in deep self-protection mode, which I understand. So he wasn't particularly riveting and Peter Weber, you know, I don't know. He just, he just struck me as dull and we can talk about him with, with the traders as well. And then you get to Colton, like they haven't made like sort of an interesting, weird choice since Ari. Um, And not that Joey's weird, but he's just, he's not the cookie cutter uh, in terms of like, he just actually seems like he has a personality and, and he seems genuinely sweet. And I don't know. I just, so I do, I think I'm not surprised that people are like, how can you be mad at that guy? Look at his face. He's so adorable. You know, like I just don't. And so I hope he doesn't, you know, I hope he, I I hope he is a, you know, behaves well. I feel like he will. Um, And it won't be like a Bob Guinea situation where everyone's like, Oh, he's so sweet. And then he turns out to be a total, you know, man whore. But um, I I, I guess, yeah, I'm still, I'm at a six, 6.5, which is, you know, I think that's testament to him being an extremely likable guy, relatively speaking. And if you, the only thing is about Joey that I guess sets him apart. If you were to line him up, with the last yeah. eight bachelors, you would need to put him on a little bit of a step stool because he, <laughs> yes, I know. he, he is on the short side. <laughs> he is. He is he's a short king. Am, but he's a short he's king. He's a short king, bless his heart. But I will say, you know, I did meet him at the wedding because remember we had, we did, they did show him a lot on the golden wedding yeah. um, or at least they did some, you know, and he was sitting next to Leslie, I think, which was hilarious. Um, uh, and, you know, he, he is a short King, but he's also like, that makes his eyes that, that much more powerful because he has beautiful eyes. And like, if he's at eye level with you, it's even harder to, you know, kind of, uh, you really do get, uh, drawn into his, uh, into his, the depths of his soul. All right. So let's talk about the traders. Um, yes. (laughs) <laughs> traders, the traders dropped on Friday, uh, last mm-hmm. Friday, three episodes, and then they're going to do it differently this year. They're going to drop one episode a week on Thursdays. So, which is interesting because Peacock usually does a binge, right? Yeah, so. and and like I said, first season they just dropped yeah. all ten episodes, and then they dropped a reunion show like a couple weeks later. I remember that that wasn't part of the initial drop, but they had to go back and film the uh, the reunion show, and I'm. I'm really into this show. I, I watched, you know, I loved the first season. I, I was, I had never heard about this show. I know it came from overseas mm-hmm, and there's mm-hmm. other versions in other countries, but I really, really enjoy this show. And I like this season even better than season one because it's straight reality show people, people that I'm yes. at least familiar with. Now there are some people that I've never seen them on their particular shows. I don't watch Shaws of Sunset. I don't watch Bling Empire. Exactly. Um, yeah. But at least I know, I mean, you got, it's not like they went to Survivor and said, "Oh, let's choose the guy who finished fifth or the woman who finished right. in fourth place." No, they're going after the big, the big dogs, you know, with CT and yes. and bananas, and then getting Parvati and uh, Sandra from the Survivor and the chat, you know, like I said, the challenge with CT and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, it's I like that 
aspect of it. Um, you guys just announced yesterday, uh, EW, <laughs> spoiled it. But, you know, we knew something was coming based on the trailer that they showed for the yes. rest of the season. Yeah. That someone was going to show up. But we are going to get. Um, so it seems like Kate Chastain is coming on to be an actual competitor on the show. She's going to appear in episode five. So she's going to have a chance to win the money. We don't know if she's coming in as a traitor or, or a faithful. Yeah. Or faithful. And then. Dr. Will from Big Brother is going to come in as a quote-unquote special guest. It doesn't sound like he's going to be able right. to compete. Right. Maybe he'll host some kind of challenge or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, it's interesting because, like you said, this is the first season I've watched the show, um, and I don't know a lot of these people I, in terms of their shows. I, I know, like, I know who they are. Um, I maybe don't watch their shows, but I'm aware of who they are. And it, it actually doesn't really matter. What I like about it is you don't have to know like what their quote unquote character was on their reality show. If you don't, yeah. um, it, it, because it's not, you certainly, they make it very clear and their personality makes it clear of sort of how they fit in. Like I've never watched love Island USA, but I, you know, I can understand that Bergie's kind of, you know, this doofus that people, you know, think, maybe can be easily taken advantage of and things like that. Like you get, you, you can get the sense and it, it, it comes through in the gameplay uh, rather than not, you know, you don't have to know their background, which I think is a real uh, uh, positive entry point for this show. Cause that was my one concern. Like I don't watch all these shows. I'm not going to know who these people are. Um, I also think it's interesting that like, like the, the only like that so far this season and maybe it was this way last season like they have no like they just go into the like round table and just start like randomly accusing each other there's no strategy like what is happening <laughs> so you never went back and watched season one then no i don't okay. i don't do past reality shows okay. i just i can't do it life's too short so basically yeah the round tables are almost like um i, I think that's the one part of the show that i do like is that you vote for somebody and it's not a secret vote you don't go drop something in a box you don't go vote in a confessional where nobody else sees you, you right you vote for who you think is a traitor right in front of their face and I think exactly it makes, yeah. it, it makes it interesting however just like on season one it's the same question i have for season two like we know as an audience that the three traitors right now are parvati dan and phaedra mm -hmm. obviously they don't know and they have to figure it out who it is. And my whole thing is they just aren't good guessers because none of them are close. They're, you know, they're voting on, they think it's, you know, they think it's Max and Max is gone and they thought it was Peppermint and she's gone. So it's just like, what if in the very first round table, they voted off one of the traders and in the second one, they guessed the second person. Like, I guess it's the odds aren't in their favor to do that. Right. Because it's right. 21 people and only three of them are, are traders, but <laughs> What if that were to happen? What would happen to the game? Like that's the thing that I don't I don't get, but it it hasn't happened, so I guess I'm worrying about something that I doesn't need to be worried about. Um, I mean, I feel like they would just, you know, create a new twist where somebody else gets re recruited by the recruited, remaining yeah. trader and you know whatever, but I I agree. I do think I mean, MJ seems to have her uh sights on Dan and and I was yeah. surprised at how poorly he kind of handled the you know, he's like, I'm just going to lay low. And obviously that's what's, that's what's causing suspicion. So I, I thought he would be better at his defense of himself, but you know, obviously so far it's worked. Yeah. It's, 
and the funny thing is, I watched all of season one, but it aired, you know, they did the full drop right around this time last year. I think it was around January 12th, same time they dropped season mm-hmm. two. But it's been a year since I watched the show. Now, I'm forgetting exactly what the point of the show, not the point of the show. I, I know what the point of the show is, but I like what the ultimate goal is. Like if all three traders make it to the end. Yeah. Then do, do they, do, do they split do they, the money? I forget. Like, I don't remember. I remember how I would imagine they have to, I don't know what they say, but I think it's like, I would assume only one of them gets the money. So what if it's like all, it just ends with three traders. Then did they have to do a challenge and whoever wins the challenge gets the money? I don't know. Yeah. See, that's, but that's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah. And I already forgot. I know who won season. <laughs> I know the winner of season one was a soul winner and they took home yeah. all the money, but were they a trader or no? Yes. They were a trader from the very beginning and oh, they, they played a nice. great game. It was, it was, yeah. it was Suri from, Big Brother and oh, Survivor. Good for her. Yeah. All right. She want that's why yeah, that's why they're talking about her being one of the greatest reality show game show contestants ever cuz she does really well on every season that she ever appears on. Yeah, um, good for her. So yeah, but in the end Okay, so the, there was a final four and it was Suri, two people who weren't traders and they were actually um they weren't reality show people. They were part of the 10 athletes no they were part of the 10 because last season's cast was 10 people from the reality show world reality slash celebrity world and then 10 just normal people oh yeah no nobody wants so it was two yeah (laughs) so it was two of those sari and then ari ari was in the final four last year uh, of season one but Ari was a late recruit. You know how they recruited Parvati in episode two? Yeah. They last year in the very first Alan Cummings selected three uh, traders in the very first round table. So there was three, th- there was three traders throughout the show. And then once one of them got eliminated, I want to say it was probably episode six or seven. It was definitely halfway through the season. Then they were able to recruit somebody and they recruited Ari. And then Ari got to the end and he basically eliminated himself. And so then it was basically Sari and two people who were faithfuls. Mm-hmm. And I think it was basically almost like a, it was almost like a bachelor pad thing where it was just like you determine if you want to split or share. And the other two were so convinced that Suri was going to split it with them. They said split. And she said like, keep, and she got the whole thing. Oh, so she, wow. she, she turned her back Good on them. For her. Yeah. It was like, yes. yeah. So it was, it was something like that. So maybe, yeah. Okay. That's how it, I just remembered it. How about that? <laughs> the, talking it out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Wait but, a second. That's how it ended. Yeah. yeah so that's okay. So maybe there's, we'll see, I guess we'll see, you know, what the makeup is of of the group by the time they get to the end and you know maybe that'll determine how they determine the winner but yeah i mean i'm definitely enjoying it uh and you know alan cumming is living his best life you know? he's oh really, he's so over the top but he's great i mean he's great. i love it yeah it's great like he's just i mean he he understands the assignment so um i do wonder if that's his real dog um or if that's <laughs> like uh just some other dog uh, but yeah, I'm really, uh, yeah, you'll, uh, you'll like it as it gets going because yeah. right now they're so outside of, um, outside of Larsa and the girl from Shaws of Sunset, they're the only two that even pegged Dan and they think he's a traitor and that might get, he might get thrown off the scent now, but you'll see once the cast starts dwindling down, cause there's so many people there now, but once it gets right, down and, to like yeah, six yeah. or eight and half of the people sitting at the table 
might be traitors, then it becomes, okay, this is getting really interesting because how long can you right. fool them? Yeah, exactly. And how long can you make excuses and like process of elimination? Like as people are removed and they're saying, I'm a faithful, like, like last, then, se- yeah. Last season, Kate Chastain was in a fight basically with everybody because everybody was telling her, we think you are a traitor. And she was saying bluntly at the round table, you better not vote for me because you guys are going to lose. Uh, you guys are going to lose a spot here because I'm not a mm-hmm. traitor. But they just mm-hmm. didn't like the way she was acting and the challenges. She would basically just give up because they're thinking like, "Oh, well, she's giving up. That means she doesn't care. I mean, she must be a traitor." Right, right. And she just kept saying, "I'm not a traitor." And then they eventually voted her out, and she's like, "See, I told you the whole time, but you wouldn't believe me." And, well, then they're, and they're all like, "Oh gosh." And well, yeah. and I do think it's good that the traitors have equal incentive to win the money on the challenges, you know, so they're not throwing them and they're not sabotaging them because, you know, that's obviously something that comes into play with like the mole or whatever, you know? Um, So I I think at least I like the fact that, you know, obviously they want to all work together on the challenges to get as, as much money as they can. Uh, I also like that the, you know, at the beginning it's you'll win up to a quarter of a million dollars. Like what does the pot start at? You see, know, I, like see, I thought it started at two fifty, and they've been win- and they've been adding on, but apparently not. I don't even know. No, because he said up to. Oh. Um, and so, but we don't know what the what the pot is. We just know, you know, they've added thirty thousand here, six thousand there, whatever. Um, so, but yeah, I, I oh. feel like you know, I I do think if you're not winning. You know, like Love Island, UK, the the pot is still only fifty thousand dollars, which I think is a, like a laughably bad <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. prize. But you know, all those people make millions uh, as influencers after the after the fact. But I'm hoping that uh, we get a, a sense of what the pot is now, because right now, you know, we have no idea. And for those that don't know, no, none of these people actually sleep in the castle. They go home. To a, they, they actually go to a hotel uh, at night, and then they're not all basically living. This isn't Big Brother style. They're not all living in that yeah. castle. They, well, it's interesting because, like, you know, they have those sort of theatrical shots of yeah. them, like, curling up in bed next to the candelabra of, you know, lit candles, and it's like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I asked, uh, you know, I spoke to Rachel Riley last season, who lasted very long on season one of The Traders, and I was just like, you know, you know when the traders go in their cloak and they go meet up at night. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Did you guys ever like try and stay up to see who ended up walking away at, in the middle of the night? Like, wouldn't you be able to figure yeah. out? And she's like, yeah. no, 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 it doesn't work that way. You don't. They they are very good at concealing who the traders are, and you have no idea who's leaving at night because they could be just going to film uh, a confessional and stuff like right, that. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. So uh, moving on to another show, but apparently you don't watch this one. I just, I you know, Deal or No Deal Island is coming out <laughs> next month. <laughs> yeah, I just like can't even hear that title without laughing. <laughs> and and Joe Manangiello is the host. Is like, is okay, this really Deal or No man. Deal with no Howie Mandel and I just no Meghan Markle opening up briefcases? Um, uh, because that's how she got her start. For those that don't know, um, mm-hmm. I don't. I needed you to help me with this because I'm confused on what the hell the storyline is on this show, but you don't, you haven't seen the preview? I assume it's deal or no deal on an island. No. (laughs) But I I gotta be honest, I didn't, 
even really understand deal or no deal. Like it felt like there was too, yeah, it felt like there was too much math involved in that. I never understood like why they would choose one briefcase over another. I'll be honest. I never really watched a full episode. I just sort of like, but like, so, but wait, this is the original show. The original show is about as basic as you can get. There's 25, there's 25 briefcases ranging from one cent to $1 million. So 25 different monetary values. You pick one that is your own at the beginning of the show, the person who's ever selected. It's usually somebody that's down on their luck or whatever. And uh, they they have a briefcase. Say they chose number 12. That number 12 just stays with them the whole time, and all they do is just sit there and pick out numbers. You have, okay, for this round, you have to pick out five briefcases. And whatever five they pick, they open the case, and it's one of the, you know, um, 25 monetary values that are on the board right and they just eliminate that okay well you pick the object is basically to pick the low value briefcase you have no idea it's just t- total yeah there's no skill whatsoever just random. Just random no skill yeah so the skill is did is and as um as you pick more briefcases after five they go to the banker and the banker offers you a deal you can take the banker's deal and walk away with I their see. money and it's all math based yeah it's all math based so let's i mean let's make it simple Say you're down to uh, three briefcases up on the stage and your briefcase. And the three briefcases up on the stage are, let's say, even though we don't know them, let's say they have 100,000 in them, 200,000, 500,000, and your case has the million. But we don't know it has the million, but we know that there's a 100,000 up there, a 200,000 up there, a 500,000 up there, Mm -hmm. but your case could have a cent. So they mathematically put it all together and be like, okay, Either you can walk away with this amount right now, or you can choose another case. And it's yeah, just people get so greedy. If, yeah, like is the uh, yeah, and because they think they have like the million. Pre- they think they it's the press your luck, like yeah. you know, a bird in the hand, as they say. Um, but it's so hard when they're you know dangling that type of uh, the chance of other money in front of you. So I'm looking at this little summary of deal. Yeah. <laughs> now they have deal challenge. Now they have challenges. Yeah, it sounds like it's deal or no deal mixed with survivor. They compete to collect briefcases. Yeah. And then I guess what are the so then maybe so it's basically like they compete and then whoever has the most briefcases gets to do the like gets to be the person. deal or no deal thing or yeah, something. I, I don't know. I, I think I that's yeah, I'm con- totally confused. But I'm going mean, to have to watch okay. the first Yeah, i just so baffled that they're even bringing this back. But then they totally, it's basically the same game, but it's not. You know, but yeah, they've the, just the extended game, it. Yeah, they just added it, stuff to it. It's not just the yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. It's not yeah, just it's the a game bit, it, yeah. And it looks like, so the the contestants are, are there's re- reality co- show contestants? There's two. I, I, uh, oh, there's two. Boston Rob. Boston Rob and somebody else, and then everyone else is just a person. Just, just a person. Yeah. So they're going to play, like, do whatever the challenges are, and then, yeah. I guess, yeah. And I assume they will get, like, somebody gets eliminated every week. Yeah. Oh, they're the banker's assistants. Yeah. This seems unnecessarily complicated. <laughs> I know. Like, it just seems weird. But, yeah. you know, uh, I guess uh, who knows when this was put into development or production maybe it was like during the writer's strike like what can we we bring back we need need something like (laughs) sometimes sometimes these things work out i enjoyed big brother reindeer games for example which was like basically just the big brother challenges with no other elements of big brother um but i enjoyed it it was fun so who knows maybe this will be a hoop 
Okay, I wanted to end with this, and this is the thing yes. I've been looking forward to the most. Okay. And you don't know I'm surprising you with this. Okay. And and I, and I will say the only reason that I am even asking you about this is because of what of your is because what one of your coworkers wrote and I saw it at just scrolling ew.com and I saw this headline. Did not watch the show, but I saw this headline and I know you covered it. The headline yes. went like this. The curse might have just aired the weirdest TV finale ever. And I'm just like, okay, well that's interesting. That grabbed my that grabbed my attention. So I mm-hmm. read I read it and I'm just like that might be the weirdest thing I've ever read. Now, for those that haven't watched The Curse, just know we're going to talk about it, even though I've never watched it. Kristen is going to explain to me exactly what the hell happened in this show and what the hell this finale was about. Because I went back and looked, and when this show was released to the press and binged, you wrote a review, and you, your review back in November said, Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder star in the weirdest, most unforgettable show of 2023 so i'm like okay so she even she's definitely watched yeah. it so you watched oh no, yeah thing. i saw it all okay um, so what i i i read this finale <laughs> and I, I don't even understand the premise of the show but in the finale nathan fielder disappears or is upside down what the fuck is going on here <laughs> what happened <laughs> Yes, it's it's very strange. I mean, the the premise of the show is, you know, this young couple uh, filming a an HGTV pilot um, in this town of Española, New Mexico. They're like these white folks who come in and they want their pilot is called Flipanthropy, which is a terrible name. It's essentially they're going into this town building uh, eco-friendly, sustainable housing, which of course is expensive, and so they're sort of pricing out the locals who, you know, cannot uh, afford to buy these fancy houses that uh, Emma Stone's character, um, Whitney, designs. But over the course of the season, you know, they both see themselves as doing, you know, that they're allies for this community. They're there to, you know, uh, improve uh, everyone's economic standards uh, there. They want to, you know, they claim that they're going to hire only, only locals, you know, to work uh, they're going to bring businesses to the community. They're going to bring brought jobs to the community, et cetera. So they're kind of insufferable white people. And they come into this town um, that is diverse. And uh, they claim they're going to be doing a lot of good for it when, in fact, you know, they are making problems. In the midst of this, Asher, the character played by uh, Nathan Fielder, at one point, he, uh, the reality show producer, who was played by Benny Safdie, says to him, hey, there's a little girl selling sodas. In the in the parking lot, go go give her money, and you know we'll film it for the show. It'll be a good interaction for the show. So he goes to give her money, um, but all he has is a hundred dollar bill. She takes the money. She's excited, but then once the cameras stop rolling, he says, you know, oh, can I just get that hundred dollar bill back? I'm gonna you know go make change and I'll give you twenty. And you know she's a child. She's like, no, you gave me a hundred. No, take these backsies. And then she curse. She says, I curse you. And he begins to believe that this curse is real over the course of the season for a variety of reasons. Um, and, but really I think the point of the show is that he and Whitney and Dougie, the producer are kind of, they are their own curse. Like they're sort of the, the cause of all these bad things that are happening to them. But so it's mostly grounded in reality. 
but then in in the finale or prior to the finale um uh dougie and asher kind of get in a fight and they're in the car and and asher is angry or dougie's angry at asher for something i can't remember why and uh he uh at one point he you know after he gets out of the car Dougie says, points to Asher as he's walking in his house, and he says, I curse you. And uh, long story short, the next morning, Asher wakes up, and he, he, gravity doesn't affect him. He's floating. He can't, he can't get down to the ground. They think there's something wrong. They think there's an air pocket in their sustainable house, which is what's making this happen. And so she's pregnant. She's about to have a baby. Um, so that he has to try to find a way to get out of the house and try to get help. But once he gets out of the house, he floats up to a tree and he's holding onto the tree limb. And, um, you know, so they call help and Dougie shows up and the fire department shows up. And they think that Asher's having like a mental breakdown, that he's having some kind of like, uh, you know, hysterical reaction to fatherhood, you know, because Whitney's about to have a baby. And uh, so the fire department comes. They think, you know, OK, look, we're just going to climb up. We're going to cut the limb down that he's clinging to because he won't come down from the tree. He'll fall onto the net and we'll be able to take him to the hospital for observation, whatever. He's saying, no, please don't cut the limb. They cut the limb and he flies off into space <laughs> and he dies. Um, you see him leaving the atmosphere and dying. Um, what? <laughs> That's what I mean. So like, I read that. I'm like, wait, huh? What? But let me, the, my theory. What are the, yeah, what are the theories? My theory is, and I, you know, I don't think we'll ever know for sure. I, they haven't done any interviews. Maybe they will. When prior to the day before, when um, Dougie and Asher were in the fight, and uh, they're sitting in the car and it's all tense. At one point, Dougie hits the windshield really hard, and Asher says, "What was that?" And he said, "Oh, it was just a fly." And then when Asher leaves, Dougie says, "I curse you." And I think. I am conflating those two things, thinking that whatever the curse was caused Asher to fly away. And the reason I think this is true is because the little girl, Nala, who initially curses uh, curses Asher, the first curse that she made, she she said she took the chicken out of their pasta dinner. And when and in fact, when uh, Asher gets uh, their fresh direct delivery or whatever, they get a chicken penne pasta, but there's no chicken in the penne. And he's really like, that's one of the first things that makes him think, oh my God, this curse is real. And later we see Nala at school, she's getting bullied by this other girl and she curses the little girl and tells her to fall. And at first, you know, sort of from afar on the playground. And at first the little girl doesn't fall, but later at a, on another day, the little girl has a fall in the, in the playground and hurts herself. And so I think they are seeding throughout this uh, story that these curses are in fact real. Um, and in fact, you know, the land in Española that some of them, some of the houses are on are, you know, is land owned by Native Americans uh, who, you know, have been historically like, you know, uh, stripped of all of their assets unfairly by the government. And so I think there's a little bit of like, you know, these uh, white folks came in and, uh, you know, they fucked around and found out. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm not saying that that makes complete sense, but I'm saying that's how I made sense of what happened. So how does the show leave it? Leave you with that? We don't even know if there's a season two. Well, I would assume not, unless you know. What's interesting is Whitney doesn't even know that that Asher has essentially flown into sky and died because she she's ultimately taken to the hospital to give birth to a baby. So she's having her baby. Um, and you know, we, the last we see of her, she's cradling her baby in the hospital and she's blissful. Um, and she doesn't know that Asher has, is she asking where her husband is? No, not really. (laughs) They didn't have a great marriage. (laughs) They didn't have a great marriage. And that's another, another thing, you know, at one point they say, Oh, you know, do you want us to check on where your husband is? And she's like, sure. You know, but like, she's not, uh, they they had a complicated and fraught relationship uh and i think she's you know she's certainly going to be shocked by what happened but i'm i would imagine that she will continue to live her life and just be happy but you know dougie did when he sees what happens to asher uh he collapses and 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 has a complete meltdown and i think that's in part why he you know, why, what he realizes it was his curse that caused this. Um, and so, uh, you know, who can say, I would, I would assume the show is not coming back. You know, I think there was a lot of talk about it, but I don't think the ratings were very, (laughs) very high. Um, so I'm not sure that Showtime or Paramount Plus with Showtime is going to want to bring it back, but especially without Nathan Fielder and like, cause you know, he was a draw for a specific portion of the audience, but yeah, it's definitely like, it's hard to explain. It sounds crazy, but you know, that was that. And it'll be interesting to see if they ever do explain in there, you know, Benny Safdie and and Nathan Fielder, if they ever do explain what happened, but I, I would imagine they're not going to want to give hard answers. I think part of the show is just, you know, supposed to be, I think part of the purpose of the show is to not really give you cut and dry answers. Oh, okay. So was the final scene of the finale, him being taken away into space and dying? Was that the final, what was like no, the final shot? No, that was not the final, the final, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. The final shot was um, locals sort of hanging around um, the house and, you know, cause they had, seen the commotion and seen the the fire trucks and 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 they're sort of locals talking about what happened like did you see that how did they do that like what was that for a movie and they you know basically just chatting and they assume the locals are like oh i guess it must have been for a tv show that's the best you know special effects i've ever seen or something like that and that was kind of it and then the the last shot i believe is of the doorway of the house just empty I, I, yeah, I guess, I mean, look, it shows like this. I mean, anytime we see a finale on a show, there's always seems to be an article the next day on, on usually yeah. EW.com of mm-hmm. finale explain. We talked to the producer finale explain. We talked to the lead out, you know, this is us had a recap every single week. We heard from yeah. somebody from the show and this is just, they're just going to leave it. They haven't even spoken about this and it's been a few, I, few And years, I kind of, right? I respect that. I respect it. Huh. You know, I, I, I think, I think too much is, you know, I think just as I feel like some shows should, you know, just be allowed to end at one season and we don't need season two, season three of Big Little Lies, whatever, like the story is over, just let it end. I appreciate 
that like not everything has to be tied up. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to know the answers to everything. And I, you know, I, I appreciate the idea that like maybe we'll just have to, you know, make sense of it. They want the viewers to make sense of it, you know, they're on their own. Hmm. Really interesting. I mean, it's just it's definitely different because we just don't yeah, see I mean, that it was, in TV. It, it was a hundred percent the strangest, weirdest, most original thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um was the show itself, the ten episodes, was it a good show or was it just the whole time did you have questions that you never got answers to? You know, I really ultimately enjoyed it. I did put it on my list of ten best shows. You know, it definitely had it's a very uncomfortable show, as you might imagine, with, you know, Nathan Fielder, especially, who loves to make people very uncomfortable at audiences. And there were definitely, you know, some parts that I felt like, you know, sort of just dragged a lot because they he really likes to sit in, you know, an awkward moment well beyond the point where even your average cringe comedy would, like, kind of move beyond the awkward moment. So there's there is some of that. But... Ultimately, it was just, you know, I, the performances are incredible. Emma Stone was so good. And uh, uh, I I did actually overall uh, really like it. And, you know, in part, it goes to the originality of it. You know, this is, this is a completely batshit idea, um, but it was executed well. And, you know, I feel like we've got to celebrate that, especially in an industry and a, you know, whether it's movies or TV that is over reliant on, you know, pre-existing IP. Let's, you know, this was a big swing and not all of it, you know, not all of it landed, but enough of it landed for it to be, you know, I think it should be celebrated. Well, it's quite interesting. Cause the thing is, I'm not familiar with Nathan Fielder's work. I know about the show, <laughs> Nathan for you. Yeah. And and people that have I have heard talk about Nathan for you say it's genius. And I'm like, yeah, but I've never seen it. So I have I'm not familiar with his work and I'm not familiar with this whole idea that he likes to marinate in uncomfortable. Yeah, situations. It, he's it's you know, it's a little like Sasha Baron Cohen in that, you know, putting real people in very mm. awkward and, you know, sort of uncomfortable situations and just sort of letting it play out and see how people, you know, in Nathan for you, he was, you know, quote unquote, helping out these local businesses with his, you know, ideas. I'm not sure you've probably heard of, um, uh, what was the Starbucks one? Um, dumb Starbucks. Um, you know, like he would create these sort of events for these businesses to, uh, to raise their profile. And they were often just really weird uh, sort of crazy ideas and you, you know the part of the show was him you know just presenting them and and staying in that character and you know letting real people react you know naturally to what to the oddness and so, so it's so a was lot it a, of that was it a scripted show or was it reality like he was it a was, character it, and going to, and the people that he was interacting it, with weren't actors. They were real. They were real people. Okay. So it's sort of a, you know, quasi scripted. Like he, he, it was in that, you know, he went in with a plan, but certainly um, he, uh, you know, the other people were not in any way in on the plan and they were reacting in real time and, and uh, you know, yeah. Uh, so 
and and the rehearsal is a similar thing that's his other show uh uh where he helps people rehearse for difficult conversations or important moments and it gets very he gets it's very you know uh, he will build like crazy reconstruct sets of like the bar where they're going to break up with their girlfriend and he will hire an actress to play the girlfriend. And, you know, so you can do a dry run of your breakup or whatever. And it gets very complicated and strange. And, um, you know, that's, that's his wheelhouse. Huh. Well, it's it fascinating. Like I said, I was, I had never, I, I, I don't think I had even heard there was a show called the curse, but as I'm scrolling EW and I see that headline <laughs> about the finale, you know, they, they say like, you know, people just read headlines nowadays. Well, I did. It, it caught my eye for sure. So whatever editor yeah. allowed that in, it got me to read the article and it got me to yeah. read his recap of the finale. And then I saw that you had written about it right when the show came out back in, in November. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so this is definitely, this ending was just boffo because even you in November said, you were basically just baffled essentially by the end. hundred percent. One of the weirdest yeah. finales you'd ever seen. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to ask her about this because yeah. Now, I mean, I, now, yeah. Know, now knowing the ending, is it, would it take away if I started to watch the show? Or, I mean, cause when you That's were watching it, when you were watching it, obviously you were watching it in real time or you got screeners for it. When you watched that finale, is that anything that you would have ever have expected you i mean you knew this oh, okay there's this curse going on what's what's going to happen but did you ever expect something like that no absolutely not oh, and yeah. so i think there is enough to enjoy about the show just because there's a lot of you know it's really interesting sort of satire of the idea of you know white allyship but it's it, you know the and these people uh thinking that they are you know doing doing good for this community when in fact you know it's clear to everyone that they are there's some really good acting so you know but it's definitely like it's it's a you have to be in the mood for it and you have to know that it's like going to move at its own pace and there's going to be some really uncomfortable moments i don't think it would take away because the ending is just so crazy that it does it's not like some big reveal um so it's just a matter of like do you want to check it out to see, you know, to, to see what, to see something very unusual and different. Final question on this. Yes. In, in the first nine episodes before the mm -hmm. finale, mm -hmm. was there anything about the show that seemed like it was delving into the supernatural? Because clearly that's what happens in the finale. Was there ever supernatural stuff, stuff floating in, in the episode before, or it was just a regular? Nope. Nothing. No, it, I mean, it was really just the little girl with the curse, um, you know, and her, you know, there was the weird coincidence that she had said, oh, I took the chicken out of your pasta and then that disappeared. And then there was the reveal. And I can't remember if it was in the final episode or if it was in the penultimate when, you know, she cursed her, the bully on the schoolyard and ultimately something bad happened to the bully. So there definitely, there were hints of like, you know, the question throughout the whole thing is, you know, is this curse real is um, in in part, that's part of the question. There's also just like watching their relationship implode is part of it. Um, but so they were, they were dropping little, you know, crumbs that yes, maybe this curse 
maybe this little girl's curse is real. Maybe curses are real. Maybe, you know, and, and, but that was as close as you'd get. And you would never think, okay, well then he's going to fly into space. Like that's not yeah anything you would ever think. Gotcha. Okay. Fascinating curse talk. Cause I was saying, yeah. I was, I was waiting to talk to you about this. I didn't want to tell you beforehand because I wanted to learn about it as we recorded. So, Again, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Enjoy your upcoming Bachelor season with Joey Grazade. Grazade. Let's just call him Joey G. Joey G. (laughs) Uh, Again, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, Obviously, we'll be in touch. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Kristen. Bye-bye. Thanks so much to Kristen for coming on. Really appreciate that. Um, I don't know any of you out there who have watched The Curse, what your thoughts were on it. I'd uh appreciate if you have watched it give me your thoughts i'd like to know because <laughs> it just seems like one of the weirdest things to end a season and the fact i think the most important thing about that whole concept of the curse is anytime we see a television show that ends their season there's always an interview with either the lead actor or the co-star or the producer or the executive producer where they explain something that happened in the episode or explain the finale or what's upcoming. And apparently these people have just gone radio silent and they don't care to answer any questions, which is really, really bizarre. Um, and then listening to that finale, reading the finale recap, I'm just like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And it's even weirder that they won't even talk about it. So anyway, thank you so much to Kristen for coming on. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple podcasts rate subscribe and review if you can sports daily was posted uh, an hour ago the daily roundup was posted a couple hours ago if you want to check those out as well so for Kristen baldwin i'm reality steve thank you all for tuning in and i will talk to you tomorrow see you